If you turn with me in the book of Colossians to chapter 3. I'm going to read one verse. Verse 20. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now over into Ephesians chapter 6. First three verses. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. This is God's word. We trust that as we look at it, it will speak to our hearts this morning. Let us seek his help and his guidance as we look into his word. Let's pray together. God, the Spirit, you are the author of this book. You are the teacher of all things. And so, first, I commit myself to you that I might speak those things which are true and according to your word. And I pray for each one of us, for myself beginning and all of us, that your Spirit might speak to our hearts, challenge us, and help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word and the fact that it's truth because you are the spirit of truth. And we honor you as our teacher today. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought it would be good this morning to do a little bit of review here because there are some people who haven't been here as we've gone through Colossians and uh, uh, started a long time ago. I was trying to figure out, it must have been, I started in Colossians about uh, six or seven years ago. <laughs> we're in chapter three now. <laughs> so, so we're going. <laughs> I got interrupted by Pastor Tony, of course. <laughs> but that's good, good interruption. And so I thought it would be good for myself and for all of us to revisit where we've been. And some of it I'll do in a little more detail, especially the first two commands. But in this book of Colossians, in the third chapter, there are 14 commands. 14 commands. And uh, it's important that we understand that when God gives commands, he also expects obedience. If we are to follow his commands, then we will be blessed as we will see as we go through. But uh, it's vital and important. As I pointed out when we first looked at this, there's really three kinds of obedience. 
there's what I call reluctant obedience. And uh, reluctant obedience is, well, I better do this or else God's going to let me have it, you know. Uh, we sometimes have that mentality that if we don't do what God wants us to do, he's going to really let us have it, so we better do it. And uh, uh, we do it, but that is not the kind of obedience God is looking for because that's self-preservation. It's self-motivated obedience. And then there's what I call reward obedience. By reward obedience, I mean uh, you hear people say, well, you know, when I get to heaven, I, I'm going to be so obedient that when I get to heaven, I am going to have the biggest mansion, I'm going to have the most crowns, I'm going to... What? And again, that self-centered obedience. What God is concerned about is what I call relational obedience. Relational obedience. If you look at John 14, verse 15. John 14, verse 15. It says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let me just point out that the word love there in the original has a continuous action. If you keep on loving me, you will keep on keeping my commandments. Our obedience must flow out of our love for Christ. And so we, he says, if you love me, you will keep on, you just, if you keep on loving me, and it's important for us to understand that the relationship with Jesus Christ controls everything in our lives. And that's vital. That's vital to us as God's people. And if you look down at verse 23, it says, If anyone loves me or continues loving me, he will keep on keeping my word. That is everything that he said, not only his commandments, but every word of Christ will take hold of us and it will be part of our lives. That's what the word of God should be to us. And then verse 24 says, and here's the contrast, he who does not continue loving me does not keep on keeping my commandments. In other words, even for us as believers, if we get like the church in Ephesus in the book of uh, Ephesians and we lose our first love, we will not walk in obedience. And so we must, we must build and encourage that love in Jesus Christ. And that's what produces obedience in the life of the believer. And I think it's vitally important for us to understand that. And then we, as I said, there are 14 commands here. And the first two commands are vital 
for our obedience. If we don't obey those first two commands, we can't obey the following tw 10, no, 12. <laughs> My math's not too good, but... Uh, uh, so, it's important. So I want to just quickly again focus on those first two commands. The first command I have entitled, it's in verse 1, find fellowship with Christ. Find fellowship with Christ. It says, if you were raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And let me point out that that first phrase, if you have been raised with Christ, in the original has the idea of a positive response. So if you have been raised with Christ, which you have, which you have if you're a believer, or let me paraphrase it, because you have been raised with Christ, here's what you should be doing. Okay? Because we have, in union with Jesus Christ, been raised with him, there are things we should be doing as believers. So he says, and let me use the paraphrase here, because you have been raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above. That word seek again is a word in the continuous tense. Keep on seeking. Keep on seeking. Keep on seeking. You know, you, uh, if, you, if you ever read stories about the uh, prospectors, they kept on seeking. They kept on seeking. They, and most of them died seeking and never found anything, but they kept on seeking. And we should be seeking because we can find. We can find. And so we should keep on seeking. And he tells us here what we should keep on seeking. He says, those things which are above. You know, our, our tendency is to seek things on this earth. Because we live here, it's part of our life. We have to work, we have to have a place to live, we have to have things to eat, and we keep on seeking this world. But why does he tell us to keep on seeking those things which are above? And he explains it right here very clearly. Notice what he says where Christ is. Our whole purpose of looking above is to find Jesus Christ. By the way, that word is comes from the root that means to exist. So you could translate it where Christ exists. We have to go where Christ exists. Where does he exist? He tells us where he exists. Notice it says, sitting at the right hand of God. And it's very interesting. You know, as soon as you read, or I should say, as soon as I read that phrase, uh, the, the 
Philippians 2 pops into my mind. Therefore God also, also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. He is sitting at the right hand of God, but it's very interesting that the word sitting there in the original can be interpreted two different ways. It can be interpreted as he has been seated at the right hand of God. In other words, God seated him there. Or that he accepted the seat at the right hand of God. And let me remind you that both of those are true. He, he was put in his position and exalted by God because of what he accomplished here on earth. But he accepted that seat. Now what's the importance of that to us? If you look through the book of Revelation, you will see the one sitting on the throne with God is the lamb that was slain. The lamb that was slain. He's sitting there as the God-man. And we have to see him in all his majesty as the God-man, but we also have to see him up there seated for us as our prophet, priest, and king. He is carrying out the whole ministry on our behalf because he is the God-man. And he can communicate the things of God, but he can communicate our things to God because he is the God-man. He's our prophet. He has told us the truth of God, revealed the truth of God. He said, I don't, I don't speak anything on my own. I only speak what the Father teaches me. So he's a prophet in revealing the words of God. And he's our priest because he has paid the sacrifice for our sins. In the Old Testament, the priests were the ones that went into the temple and uh, sprinkled everything with blood because uh, they were going in on behalf of the people. And Jesus Christ is sitting in heaven and he is representing us as he has shed his blood for us. The... the uh, in Hebrews, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, he died once. And that word once in the original means once and only once. He only had to die once. Where the priests had to keep coming in constantly, constantly, every day, every year. And you remember the high priest only once a year. So he sits as our great high priest and we see him there as the great sacrifice that has been sacrificed for us in the presence of God. And then he sits there as our king. He is ruler of all things. Now, let me ask you, do you believe that? Do you? Do you really? Oh, I wonder sometimes I hear people complaining about what's going on in the world and what we're going to do about what's going on in the world. And he is sovereign. 
He's in control. Everything, I can't complain because I know everything's going exactly the way he wants it to go. Isn't that relaxing? I don't have to worry about anything. He's got it all in charge. He's the king. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He rules over all. So, this is vital for us as believers to keep seeking to know more about Christ, to learn more about him, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of him. And it's very interesting that Jesus said that when he was going to send the Holy Spirit, what was his job? He says to glorify me. And so it's vital and important for us, isn't it, that we walk in the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit might glorify Jesus Christ to us through the Word and as, as we allow the Spirit to teach us through the Word. And this is vital and important. Keep on seeking. Keep on seeking. Don't get tired. Keep on seeking. Keep on seeking. This is what we have to do. It's a continuous action. And then the second command comes in verses 2 through 4. And uh, it says in verses 2 through 4, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I want you to, I call this uh, fixing your focus properly. Fixing your focus properly. I don't know about you, <laughs> because you're not me, but I, I know about me. And I know that it's so easy to focus on this world and the things of the world and be so caught up with them that we miss the things of Christ, the eternal things. And these are vital. Notice it says, the command here is, set your mind, or better translated, have a mindset. Have a mindset on heaven. Have a mindset on heaven, not on the earth. We have to live down here, don't we? We have to have homes. We have to have jobs. We have to have everything. But all of that should be as we focus on the heavenly and wait for the heavenly. We go on in our lives, but we need... We need to keep focusing on the heavenly. You look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 13. Now you remember he's given us a list of people like Noah and so on, Abraham. And he says, these all died in faith. 
And that's the way we're supposed to die. We're supposed to die in faith. Trusting in the promises of God. And not having received the promises. But having seen them from afar off. I want you to notice that we do the same thing as it relates to the second coming of Christ. We haven't seen it yet, but we believe it and it's something that's afar off. And some of us may see it, some of us may not see it. We don't know. That's in his hand. And he says, having seen them afar off, we're assured of them and embrace them and confessed what? That they were strangers and pilgrims in this world. In other words, they didn't belong to this world. They belonged to the eternal. It says, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. Like Abraham, he could have gone back to the Ur of the Chaldees. He could have uh, done that very easily, but he didn't. And by the way, if you ever study uh, any of the things about the Ur of the Chaldees, it was quite a modern place with a lot of great things. Uh, the archaeologists have said that the Ur of the Chaldees, uh, in, in some of the buildings they found in three-story buildings, they had flush toilets. Do you believe that? <laughs> I thought we figured all those things out. You know, he, he had something to return to, something really good. He said he could, he could have returned. He says, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And that's the way we should be living. Set your affections, have a mindset on the heavenly. Know that's where you're going to end up and work for that mindset. Work for that mindset. Live with that mindset. Live with that attitude. And I think it's vital and important for us to understand that it's so easy for us to get all wrapped up in this world. All wrapped up in the things of this world. But, but, we have to fix our minds and thoughts on the things of Jesus Christ. So, if we can get both of these commands operating in our lives as Christians, and notice what are they based on. If you, if you look at uh, uh, verses 5 through 7, it's a third command, which I call flee former sins. Flee former sins. Uh, what word does that verse start with? Anybody know? Therefore. Therefore. In other words, 
everything that he is going to say next is contingent on what he has said in the first four verses. And so what is the therefore, therefore? It's to remind us that because we have died with Christ, we have been raised with Christ, and we can seek Him and His glory, therefore we can deal with all the sins in our lives. And I think that's vital and important for us to understand. We have to, we have to uh, first obey those two commands. Keep seeking Christ and focus on heaven. Focus on heaven. And then we looked at the fourth command, which I, I entitled Flee the Following. It gives us a list of things that we are to leave. And then in verses 9 uh, through 11, he says, Free yourselves from a foul tongue. I think more churches have been destroyed by foul tongues than anything else. People who say and do things that are in opposition to the Word of God and teachers who teach in opposition to the Word of God. And so we have to control our tongues. And then verses, the sixth command is verses 12 through 15a. And it's what I call the formal frocks of yours. He tells you how to get dressed up. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, put on. Here's what you're supposed to be like. Here's what you're supposed to be like. Here are the garments that Christ has given you so that you can look Christ-like. You see, this is the whole purpose. And then this seventh command comes in just... Simple words. Be thankful. Be thankful. It's very interesting how easy it is to grumble, grumble rather than be thankful. He says, be thankful. I've called this full Provision fires up gratitude. Full provision fires up gratitude. When you realize what Christ has done for you, what he's provided for you, it's going to give you a thankful heart if you're focusing on those things which he's provided for you. And then the eighth command is in verses 16 and 17 in it's what I've called fill up with fruitfulness. Fill up with fruitfulness. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a fruitful Christian. We're called to be fruitful Christians. And then, as I pointed out, the rest of the commands that follow, I put under one heading in verses 18 through 25, 
in forging favorable relationships. Forging favorable relationships. And we've looked at the two of them already. One is in verse 9, uh, or verse 18, it's the ninth command. It's what I called accepting Christ's order. Accepting Christ's order. And that's a word to wives. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And then the second one is exercising Christ's attitude. That's in verse 19. That's command 10. And that's to us men to be godly men in our homes, rearing up in our homes godly precepts and godly persons as we share the word of God with them. And it's vital and important to us. So I would uh, like to just remind you of all of those and then move on to the 20th verse in Colossians as we have read it. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, (coughs) let me just point out here that this is not only a New Testament concept. It comes, and we will find that as we look at Ephesians, it comes from the Ten Commandments. What were the Ten Commandments? If you look at them as a body, were they not God's holy standards by which he expected us to live and walk? And one of the holy standards of God has always been, and it never changes, is that children are to honor their parents. Children are to honor their parents. That is, that is not something that's new. So God's standard never changes. God's standard never changes. Now, what I want to do before we look at the text, I I just want to point out five things for you in the text. But before we do that, let me just give you my own literal translation of (coughs) both uh, Colossians 3.20 and Ephesians 1.6-3. For those of you who were here before, you remember I said that the book of Colossians is like a Reader's Digest uh, condensed book of the book of Ephesians. It's stretched out a little more in the book of Ephesians and he adds a little more and we'll see that as we go along. Colossians 3.20, it says, The children listen under... That word listen under is an interesting word. It really means hear to obey. Hear to obey. 
So the children <coughs> listen under the parents in all or in everything because as to this, that is listening under to the parents, it exists well-pleasing to the master. <coughs> I like to use the word master instead of Lord. Uh, we sometimes have a, a, a misunderstanding of the word Lord, but master means he has complete control over us. We talk about the Lordship of Christ, and when we talk about the Lordship of Christ, we mean that Christ has complete mastery and control over us. We need to be people who are totally under his control. And then in Ephesians, it says, the children, same word, listen under the parents belonging to you. And there we find a little expansion. He do just doesn't use parents. He explains whose parents they are. Parents belonging to you. Your parents. Your parents. <coughs> it says, uh, in the sphere of the master, because as to this, it continually exists that which is right. Or you could translate that word righteous. It's the righteous thing to do. It's the righteous thing. And it always is the righteous thing to do to obey your parents. And then he gives us the purpose in verse... Uh, no, he gives us another command, excuse me, in verse 2. Honor, that word means prize, the father, also the mother of yours, for such exists... And uh, that word exists has the idea of always, always, continually. It never changes because God never changes and his word never changes. It's ongoing. It's always, it's continual. The first command with promise. In order that it may be well with you also, you may exist a long time upon the earth. Now, we'll get back to understanding that uh, third verse, but uh, let's, let's begin looking first here at the persons being commanded. The persons being commanded. It says, the children. The children. That word children is, is an interesting term in the original. It can mean son or daughter or child. And because it's in the plural, they've translated correctly and said children. So he's speaking to all children, all children, the children. And notice in, in most of our translations, you don't have the article. But in the original the article is there, the children, because he's speaking to that certain group and class. If you look, if you had an opportunity or you could, you look back in the original, you will see it says, the wives, the husbands, the children, the slaves, the masters. He's speaking to specific groups and communicating 
to specific groups. And the group he's communicating here to is the children, the children. And uh, let me ask you a question. When do you stop being a child to your parents? When you're 16, 18, 20, 60? As long as your parents are alive, you see, you're their child. You're their child. And you have to listen to what they say. And I think it's vital and important. We live in a society where when parents start getting old, we tuck them away in some kind of home to get them out of the way. And if you look at society about 60 years ago, you could never find that. The families took care of the parents. The children took care of the parents. And we have moved away from that into our modern society where if your parents become a burden, what do you do with them? Send them off to a nursing home or somewhere. Now, let me just say something here. I realize that sometimes it's hard to take care of sick, elderly parents. It's very difficult. But there are still ways to do it, even in our society, even though that whole concept has changed. And so, if we are believers, as we will see in a moment, this command deals with us in its fullness. That brings my second point, the position of the commanded. The persons commanded, the children, the position, believing children, believing children. We would call them Christian children. He is speaking to Christian children and in the context, it can't be anything else because all the other groups he, are he is speaking to are Christian, you see? They're all Christians and so you can't exclude the children that he's speaking to as being non-Christian. They are Christian. And that's why I started off at the beginning, making it very clear that this command belongs to every child because it's part of God's standard of holiness. But he's speaking specifically to believing children here. And that's vital and important to us. If, if you are a believing child and have parents... You are responsible to those parents. He makes that very clear, and we'll see that. And uh, I think the reason he's speaking to uh, uh, believing children is because of what Christ has done for them. They have a greater obligation to fulfill that command than the unregenerate has because they do not have the grace of God to do that and we do through the finished work of Christ. So we have 
the persons commanded, the position of the commanded, and then we have the posture demanded. The posture demanded. He said, listen under. Hear what they have to say. Uh, the, word, the word really has an interesting idea. It's the idea to heed the command and conform and conform to the authority over you that has given the command. And so God, God has established the family, hasn't he? Yeah. And therefore, therefore, the family structure is not our structure, it is God's structure. And therefore, we have to follow God's pattern. And the children, the children must follow God's pattern if they're believers. Now, the, all you have to do is look at the world around you and you'll see they sure don't follow God's pattern. Why? Because they can't. They can't. It's impossible. They can't do what's good and righteous because they're outside of Christ. And so it's vital and important. And uh, if, you, if you go back to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, the Hebrew, the Hebrew word there is very interesting in that fifth commandment where it says honor, the word honor means your parents should weigh heavy upon you. Your parents should weigh heavy upon you. They should be a very important part of your life. And you should, you should have the kind of respect for them that, that is necessary. They should weigh heavy upon you as some, one of your obligations before the Lord. And uh, um, I want you to notice something else here because I think it's important. The Apostle Paul gives no other criteria for obedience except that they're the, your parents. He doesn't say if you've got believing parents, honor your parents, obey your parents. He just says, obey your parents. It's a flat statement. There's no other criteria. Because they're your parents, whether they're believers or unbelievers, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You are under that same obligation. And uh, um, I, uh, I think it's important for us to understand that and understand that Christian children, if their parents are not believers, are still obligated to believe, obey their parents. Except, except, there's an exception. Except when their parents want them to do things against the word of God. And I think it's important for us to understand that uh, God, God hates, and I'll use that word, God hates when we disobey him and listen 
to men and what men have to say. And even the churches are getting sucked into this thing in our society. You know, we have gay pastors now and we have all kinds of uh, so-called guys who are top evangelical guys who uh, are into the these different uh, worldly movements. They're listening to men rather than God. And they will be judged for that by God. Because God hates it when we listen to men and not to him. In, in Genesis 3.17, what did God say to Adam? Genesis 3.17, you remember he spoke to Eve, he spoke to Satan, and now he's speaking to Adam in Genesis 3.17. And he said to Adam, Adam, you're a bad boy. You ate that fruit I told you not to eat. Is that what he said? That's not what he said. He said, Adam, your sin is that you listen to your wife. Your sin is that you listen to your wife and let her lead you astray. And you didn't listen to me when I told you not to eat that fruit. You see, because God hates when we, as uh, Saul said to Samuel, and uh, uh, he said, disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft, and it's a rebellion against God. Just read that whole section in 1 Samuel 15, verses 20 and following. Uh, he says, Saul says, because you have rejected the word of God, God has rejected you as king. You're finished. You won't listen to God. And what's Saul's answer? What's Saul's answer? Well, it's not me. It's the people. They're the problem. You know? And he says, I've sinned. Okay, let's get this straight. And he said, Saul, Samuel says to Saul, you're finished. It's done. You rejected God's word and you're done. Now let me just re remind you here that, that that was under the old covenant. But for us as believers, God, when we sin, even in our relationship to our parents, God doesn't reject us. He disciplines us to bring us back into line and keep us where he wants us to be. But God still hates it when we listen to men instead of God. You remember what Peter and John said to the Jewish leaders in Acts chapter 4. We have to obey God rather than man. We got to obey God. And so it's vital and important. And I think we, we have to understand that. Uh, uh, we Let me give you two reasons why this command is here. First of all, because I was going to say most of us, all of us, <laughs> have a problem with the flesh. 
We're always dealing with flesh. You know what the flesh wants? It wants to be in charge. It wants to be the authority. And uh, it's, we, we want, don't want our parents or anybody else to tell us what to do. We want to be the authority. I'll make my own decisions, Mom. You know, have you ever heard that? <laughs> you know, um, I, I think that uh, we have to understand, we have to understand that God expects obedience and not intermittent but continual obedience. And in the new covenant, God will, God will direct us and redirect us but how do I deal with the flesh? Let me just read Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Romans 13 and 14, it says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember command number one? We're back to command number one. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh. To fulfill its lusts. You see, everything that you and I need to have victory over the flesh has been provided in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are united with him in his death and resurrection. And it's vital and important. And we find these warnings throughout the Old Testament. The Old Testament was a little rougher. You know, it said, if you have a son who's disobedient and he won't listen to his mother and he won't listen to his father and you've chastened him, you've tried to do everything you can to correct him, what do you do? You grab him by the ear and you take him to the elders at the gate and let them stone him. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? But that was under the old covenant. And I think that we have to recognize, we have to recognize that under the new covenant, there's grace and the disposition of God. And there is not that harsh attitude. But God will do whatever it takes to get you straightened out. He will do whatever it takes. And it may be a hard jolt sometime, but he will do that if you're disobedient. So, why was this command given? In simple words, it's pleasing to the master. It pleases God. It pleases God when we do what's right. And our whole job as, as believers is to walk in such a way that we are pleasing to God. Walk worthy of the Lord and be pleasing to him. Be pleasing to him. And so it's vital for us. That's why the, we are commanded to obey. By the way, I, missed, I gave you the first one. I missed the second one. second one was we are, we are to obey. We are given this command because 
It's easy to be influenced by the world that is around us. It's so easy to be influenced by the world that is around us. So finally, what's the prospect for those who are committed? The prospect for the committed, what is it? Well, you have to look at Ephesians. I mean, yeah, Ephesians 6. And I mentioned that I would uh, go back to this verse again. Verse 3, it says, in verse, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, in order that it may be well with you. If you look at the Old Testament, the blessing was physical. It was physical. If you look at the New Testament, the blessing is spiritual. That it might be well with you spiritually, that you might grow, that you might understand. And we go. We end up right back where we started. Jesus says, He who loves me keeps my commandments. It is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And what's the blessing? Will manifest myself unto him. Christ will show us himself in all his glory and wonder. He will manifest himself to us. And in that same section in the 23rd verse of John 14, he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him. We will dwell with him. Well, what a great blessing. What a great blessing God has for us. He wants to come and live in us and control our lives and make us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And he calls for total, continual obedience, not only to our parents, but in everything he commands in his word. And you say, that's a big job. And he says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Isn't that wonderful? He never said, go out and do it. He says, I'll do it in you and you work it out. You work it out. And so we can praise God that we get all these instructions and all these directions and all the help we need to fulfill them. Isn't that wonderful? Let's just praise God together as we pray. Father, we praise you for the great salvation you've provided, for your great love, for your mercy, for what you've done for us. And I just pray that uh, you will help us to live in the fullness of all that you've provided so that the world may see Jesus in us and that we might show forth the glories of Christ. Thank you for what you're doing and what you will do in us so that you may honor your own self. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.